and this is the Age Group Multisport Podcast with me, Richard Conway. This is a platform for Age Group Multisport athletes to showcase their journeys. Welcome along to the Age Group Multisport Podcast and thank you once again for taking your time out to support us and listen to another fantastic Age Groupers journey. Hope you're all well, Um, hope your training's going well and if you're racing or you have raced, I hope you got the results that you wished for. There's been quite a lot of races on recently uh, but we'll discuss them in a bit. Um, so today's guest, I was first um, made aware of this gentleman by a previous guest who got to know him while they were flying to an event and the gentleman's name is Douglas Wood. You could say he is um, an elder statesman of our age group family and he's written a book. He's the author of The Renaissance Triathlete, which he quite kindly sent me and signed uh, and I have read it, um, and it's a really good read, so we'll be putting the details of that in the show notes and also at the end of the uh, show, uh, so you can look that out, because it is really, really worth, no matter what age you are, giving it a read. So lots to get into with Douglas, fascinating, fascinating chap, um, great insight to how he trains um, at the age he does, we talk about the support system that he's put in place um, to help him carry on doing triathlons in his 70s, um, both physically and mentally. And uh, yeah, he's got some interesting insights into that. Talk about his trips over to visit his daughter in the UAE and taking part in triathlons over there and being part of the triathlon community when he's when he's out there. And although he coaches himself pretty much, um, we talk about the physiotherapist that's helped him through the years um, with his injuries. He has a mental strength coach um, that has been a fundamental part of his success in continuing to take part in triathlons. Then we go on to discuss his book and how it came about and um, how he put it in some sort of order after taking loads of anecdotes um, from his time travelling around the world and um, and how he got Alistair Brownlee to write the forward. So, fascinating chat. I hope you enjoy it. Lovely, lovely man and um, an inspiration again to us all. So, hope you get something from it. So, that's coming up. On the last episode, I mentioned that we were putting a team in at the Sprint Relay up at Woodhorn Museum in Northumberland. And um, one of our teammates, Steve Hunt, was up there at the Sprint Triathlon, which was a qualifier for the Europeans next year. He was trying to qualify. Um, so we put a, a team in um, and we did all right. We come second. Yay. Uh, it was filthy. It was absolutely horrible. It was blowing a hooli. It was wet. It was miserable. But it wasn't cold, which was a bonus. Um, so Joe Hunt, Steve's wife, she did the swim. Uh, it was over 750. She claimed it was about 800 meters. Uh, and then I did the bike and come off at a roundabout. Yeah. Um, I wasn't the only one. Not too much damage. Um, John Armstrong, who was on the podcast a couple of episodes ago, he was also up there racing, trying to qualify. And he also came off uh, and he fared a lot worse than I did. He was knees was all bloodied, his arms were all bloodied, he was he was in a mess. But again, he wasn't the only one either. There was there was a lot of people that had come off um on that roundabout. Some oil must have been sp- spilt on the road. Fortunately for me, I had long socks on, I had arm warmers on, um, so not too much damage, a bit of a sore knee and a bit of a grazed grazed hip. Um and a, a bit of a sore elbow, but yeah, got up, chain had come off, um, but got got safe first, um, got my bike to the side, because obviously it's, it was a live road, there was still traffic on the road, so 
pulled myself to the side, um, got my chain back on, jumped back on and, and away we went. And I tried picking off all the people that had passed me as I was to the side of the road. Um, and I enjoyed it. I had a really good ride. Really, really happy with the performance apart from that one mishap. But hey-ho, that's, that's what happens. Uh, like I say, it could have been worse. And then Mrs C, she, she did the run, which was um, quite an undulating 6K, um, which she found quite a test. Uh, but she enjoyed it. She finished with a smile on her face, which is always nice to see. And uh, yeah, we got second as a relay team. And um, Steve Hunt's just got to wait to see where he uh, he finishes on a roll down percentage. So, yeah, nice weekend had by all. Last weekend it was the Sprint and Relay World Championships over in Hamburg, as well as the age groupers, the elite were over there as well racing. And uh, got to say it was fantastic to watch on the TV. I really do enjoy that course. I love it with the swim going through the tunnel and back again, uh, and it's quite a technical bike course. Uh, so, yeah, it was really fantastic to watch. And it was really nice to see the age groupers out there and some of them that have been on the podcast. Yanni Christodoulou, um, Karina Kaufman, Nicky Dick and Ben Somerville were all out there racing. And uh, it looks as if they've had a good race and they enjoyed it, uh, enjoyed the whole experience uh, from what I've picked up from Instagram and age group news. Uh, and if you want more details about that, yeah, head over to Age Group News because, as usual, they've put a, a great report up from uh, what was going on out there. And the elite race was uh, really good to watch on the TV. Uh, Hayden Wilde came out the victor in the men's race. Uh, he pretty much stole a march on everybody else in T, T2. And in the ladies... Um, Cassandra Bogran just ran away with it, pretty much. And, uh, yeah, nobody could keep pace with her. Uh, really, really good uh, race from from her. So, yeah, some exciting exciting racing over in Hamburg. Really enjoyed it. And Tour de France goes into the last week, this week. And uh, it's nip and tuck. Ten seconds. They've been racing for over 60 hours and ten seconds between the two top guys. Um yeah, I don't know who's going to win it. Vindigo or Pogaccia, who knows? It could be down to, there's a time trial today, which is Tuesday the 18th of July, and it could be down to the time trial. That could be the uh, decider, but who knows? They're so close. Some exciting racing, and um, yeah, I hope you've uh, been watching that and been enjoying that. I'm nearly at the end of the Ross Edgley book that I mentioned last episode. Um He's currently in Whitby, so he's, he's swam from Maidenhead all the way around, um, and he's currently in Whitby. So I've really enjoyed it. It's uh, <laughs> It's been a really good read, really entertaining, uh, and what a feat. What, what, I don't know, I, I just can't, can't understand how he's done it, to be honest. Um, put his body through 12 hours a day swimming, it's uh, incredible. Uh, so I can highly recommend that book. If you haven't read it already, it's worth a read. And a couple of podcasts to recommend, as usual. Uh, we've got the Triathlon Hour, uh, and he had on uh, the CEO of Ironman, again, his first one that he had on with him um, a while back. Didn't, uh, didn't go ever so well. It was a bit... Um, bit of argy-bargy I think between the two of them, shall we say. Uh, and actually the Ironman CEO... And I can't remember what he's called, um, which is bad of me, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, resigned. And um, so he got him on to find out why. And, uh, yeah, it's a good listen. And they're going to the details of the accident over in Hamburg uh, for the when the long-distance um, triathlon was on a couple of weeks back and there was the fatality, and they talk about that. Um, the second podcast... I'm going to recommend is the Hayden Wild podcast and he had George Taylor Brown on as a guest and uh, yeah that was good fun to listen to. Uh, she's quite candid of of what what's happening at the moment in her um in her training and stuff um and why things aren't going so well at the moment or as planned 
so yeah, that's worth a listen if you haven't listened to it already. Good Hello. evening. Evening. How are you? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, Good. So, where do we find you in the world? I'm in Stirling, which Stirling. is in Scotland, gateway to the Highlands. Nice, nice. <laughs> and I'd just like to say thank you for the book. Um, right. Got it here. <laughs> good, very good. Finished it. I thought it was fascinating for me. Uh -huh. um, I'm I'm 55, 59 age group, and for me um, to see what you you your thoughts are and what you've put down on paper uh, is quite is quite interesting, um, especially because I want to continue doing this. So there's some yes. really good tips in there for me, mm -hmm. you know, as an advancing um, aging athlete. So yes. I think that'll be yeah. a, that'll be a reference book for me going forward. Yes. I think it appeals to uh, people in their 50s who that's a period in your life where you know, things begin to break down and uh, you need re need repairs and renewal and yeah. uh, uh, it just gives a bit of a bit of a boost and encouragement to keep going. There's some fascinating pieces in there, and we'll we'll discuss the book, and because um, I think it's it's for anybody at all really who's into multi-sport. I think it's a it's a great read, and we can all learn something from it, no matter what age we are. In fact, a number of people who are not into triathlon at all um, have said they found it fascinating um, because it actually is relevant across other sports, and also I. I intended to actually see a bit or explain a bit about what triathlon entailed. I mean, people know it's swimming, cycling, running, but actually what the, the, the ethos of the event and, and what it's like actually doing it. Yeah. And uh, there are lots of facets to it and transitions and so on. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, you're right. I mean, unless you're actually in the sport or you watch the sport, yeah, people probably but not sure what goes on other than mm -hmm. you, like you said swim bike and run so yeah yes. it's uh, but i was fast i was fascinated you know by the other parts of it you how you've progressed um what when you nearly stopped and you had you've got the you've got the strength coach and you've got the uh the mental bit in there and yes. all yes. those things was just it's just it's just almost putting everything together to make you be able to continue to do it and getting these things at different times. And, you know, that's, it's fascinating. Um, so mm -hmm. if you just want to introduce yourself and right. tell us well, a little bit about I'm, growing I'm, up. I'm, I'm Douglas Wood. I live in Stirling uh, and I'm a member of Stirling Triathlon Club. Uh, I've been retired for 16 years. And one of the first things I did when I retired was to take a coaching course, uh, triathlon coaching. Uh, the club was needing more coaches, particularly to help with the swimming. So I got myself qualified and I've been one of the club coaches since then. And uh, find that very interesting, helpful to me as a person who's trying to compete as well. It makes you think about things uh, from a different perspective. Uh, I've been, uh, I compete regularly in triathlons and I've been a member of the, the British age group team for a number of years now. Uh, I've taken part in European or world age group championships most years since about 2007. And I'm now in my third season of the 75 to 79 age group. And what did you do growing up as a kid, Douglas? Well, I, I was always keen on running. Uh, I was, was always running and I was very keen on sport. I was, as a youngster, I was small and really quite lightweight. So although I liked games like rugby, <laughs> it wasn't really for me uh, as I just got battered by bigger, bigger people. But as I say, I was always interested in sport, uh, both doing it and uh, watching it. I mean, my father took me to a rugby international at Murrayfield when I was 10. And uh, 
in fact, I went to every uh, Scotland International there for about the next 15 years. Um, and I also went to uh, see the Open Golf at Muirfield as a teenager. And so Gary Player, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, these guys. And um, uh, it was great. There wasn't really televised sport. I mean, we didn't have television in the house till I would maybe be 15 or 16. So um, the sport that you saw, you went to see it. It wasn't something that was brought to you. And I don't think there was a great deal of television coverage of sport anyway. Um, at that time, it was the late, the late 60s, I think, before mm. uh, that developed uh, in, in, any, in any way. But I, I liked the outdoors. I did a lot of hill climbing uh, in the, the North and West Highlands, went away for weekends, camping, climbing hills. And I went to, when I went to university, uh, I really got in with a very good running club. And right. there were guys there that were training every day, running loads of miles. And uh, I, I fell in with that group and really developed my running a lot. But it was really in the days before you had decent running shoes. Mm. You ran in plimsolls or shoes without a great deal of support. And I think my, my feet and my legs really suffered from that. Mm. Uh, and I was never really able to do great distances without breaking down. So I was always trying to train over shorter distances and just be a bit smarter rather than going for distance. All, all the time yeah. and I then got into orienteering uh, as a student that would be 1964 and it was at the start really of orienteering in, in the UK and that was my main sport right okay. through until well, the 1990s and the triathlon eventually became my, my major sport after that, but I still do orienteering. Uh, it's still part of my, my life. So how did you first come about um, triathlon then, Douglas? Well, I, I, say I, I, was, I was always running. I ran at lunch times when I, when I could at, at work. And if I, if I was injured or short of time, I would go for a dip in the swimming pool. I was fortunate that there was a sports complex uh, quite near the office, and uh, I could go for a swim. Yeah. And I find I could tire myself out in 20 minutes quite easily in a swimming pool, not being a swimmer. Uh, so it served served a useful purpose. But I think there was a time when I seemed to be more injured than, than, than running properly. So I was doing quite a frequent swimming, although I was never being coached. I was just having a lunchtime swim. And a friend, a work colleague, suggested I came along to the triathlon swimming session, uh, which was on a Saturday morning. And uh, I, I did that and really enjoyed it. That was, that was an hour long and, <laughs> and you really did get tired swimming for an hour. But I learned how to swim better, swim properly. Yeah. But uh, I was doing it just for exercise because I was still involved in orienteering and by that time, I was involved as a, a team manager in the sport uh, and involved with the British National Squad and their training camps. And I was team manager for the, for the GB team during most of the 1980s. And that was really what was taking up my time. Uh, so I hadn't really thought of triathlon. I was just going along to the triathlon club swimming sessions. But I did try one. I think it was 1990 and uh, enjoyed it, uh, we enjoyed it, it was a pool swim and mm. enjoyed it very much. But then uh, my weekends were still taken up with other things and I didn't do another triathlon for another three years. So right. you can say my, my uh, entry to multi-sport was rather gradual <laughs> and <laughs> almost accidental. <laughs> yeah, another yeah. thing I should mention is that I cycled to work. It was about right. three, miles each, three miles each way. So for several years, I'd been cycling to work. I had a running background and I'd been swimming at lunchtime. So it was 
possibly inevitable. Yeah, yeah, it all seemed to it all seems to just yeah. like little bits here and there, and then oh, I'll put it all together, and and there you have it, yeah. without yeah. you even yeah. knowing. Yes, that's right. Yeah. But I, I think I didn't really become passionate about it, really serious about it, until after I retired, because I didn't right. really have the opportunity and the time to devote enough attention to it, or to devote enough attention to keeping myself uh, in, in, in decent condition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how many triathlons did you do um, in total before you started taking it seriously in in your retirement? Would well, you say I, I, I would maybe be doing one or two a year? Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. some years I didn't do any at all because yeah. there was a period I, I, I think around about my early fifties where I, I could cycle and swim satisfactorily, but I seemed to injure myself very easily as soon as I started running. Mm. So I, I was not really doing triathlons, or I might do the swim and the run, but retire after T2 and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not start the run. But that was all very unsatisfactory. Yeah. Uh, and it was my wife, Chris, who said, <laughs> I really want to sort myself out, go and see a physiotherapist, and uh, which I did. Because I could see, I was thinking ahead of you know, retiring soon after I was 60, and I wanted to be able to do the things I enjoyed doing, and it wasn't wouldn't be any good if I was too injured to do anything properly. So yeah. I went to the physiotherapist saw Jane, and she got me sorted and up and up and running, uh, and that was brilliant. And it worked miracles. Yeah. And what exactly did she do for you, Doc Douglas? Well, she she identified what the problem was that was causing me to break down. It was it was to do with the uh, the alignment of my foot, um, mm. and that uh, I suppose a, a fallen arch, perhaps you might call it. But it, it was really putting an abnormal strain on the Achilles and the calf muscle, and uh, she referred me to a colleague who's a, a podiatrist who uh, made bespoke or arranged to get bespoke orthotics that would uh, sort out the, the misalignment in my feet and lower legs. Mm -hmm. And I then went back to Jane and she dealt with actually treating the soft tissue and getting things working again. And uh, I, I don't know. It, it's I had seen physiotherapists in the past, but somehow or other, they never really got to the bottom of things and dealt with the problem. Mm. And I, I know I've moved on from uh, Jane to her colleague subsequently, Anne, who's a, a performance physiotherapist, and her expertise is more in movement and getting helping people to get the best out of themselves, injury prevention. So I managed to move on from having to be treated all the time to being to maintenance and uh, an injury prevention and uh, actually doing exercises that would uh, for core, core stability and just general functionality, flexibility. Uh, but I did encounter a a problem, oh, it's, it's about uh, 15, 16 years ago now. Uh, my Achilles, which had always given me problems uh, just through running in hard surfaces and not having really the right kind of protective shoes at an early stage, uh, my, my Achilles just gave way completely and mm. needed surgery. Other right. than that, I gave up completely. So I had quite major surgery on, on my Achilles. Uh, and that really sidelined me for a year mm. and really the best part of another year uh, before I was back again. But although I had made a physical recovery, I was very tentative and mm. uh, the physiotherapist realised that actually it's a mental issue. Uh, I was 
as concerned or, or fearful mm. that it all might break down again. So yeah. you're running, wondering, can I feel it? Is it hurting? What yeah. do I do? It does, and, and all this kind of thing. And, and that was just holding me back completely. Yeah. And uh, I was very fortunate in being able to make contact with Kim Mingleby, who was a mental strength coach. Mm-hmm. She was working with the, the GBH group team and it was at the World Age Group Championships in Beijing mm-hmm. in 2011 where uh, I had a really good conversation with her and uh, explained the problem and uh, she thought she could help me and uh, and she could indeed <laughs> and she's still helping me and, and yeah. it's really, I suppose, the person who's my coach. And uh, uh, she just transformed everything, not mm. just uh, getting over the issue to do with that mental blockage, yeah. but actually has taken it uh, really several stages further in applying the, the mental strength training skill she has to my performance. And it's all about... Uh, you know, planning, preparation, and performance. Mm. So, I, I have, in a sense, a, a support team. The, the physiotherapist Anne and the mental strength coach Kim. There's three of us. Uh, we work we as a partnership, and um, Anne looks after my physical functionality. Um, that I've got the physical the, the platform uh, to enable me to actually do the running, swimming, cycling and, uh, and that. And then Kim is the cohesive element that looks after the being able to convert that into a performance. Mm. And it, the synergy between the three of us is, is great. And I would certainly recommend that as a, as a model for, yeah. uh, for success. Yeah. Yeah, well, it does. I mean, it seems like you've got a great team around you. And with that in mind, do you, um, you're obviously still part of the tri club. Have you got a personal coach or do you pretty much coach yourself? No, that, that, that's my support team. That um, is... I look after, I look after my own sort of sport specific training. Yeah. That was what I was trying to ask you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, but I go I go to the triathlon club swim sessions in the pool. Uh, they're, they're coach sessions. There's not a lot of individual coaching because we have there's a lot of us there and uh, there's not a, not a one to one relationship. But um, and I'm swimming with others and it's a you know coached training session, so that, that is helpful. And over the years, a number of the club coaches have really made a significant difference to my swimming. Mm. And uh, I tend to do my cycling and my running. Uh, I look after that myself. I, 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 I don't do hard uh, running sessions because my background is in running and that's what uh, mm. I've really moved into triathlon because it doesn't involve as much running as what I used to do. Um, cycling, I'd always been cycling, but not in a competitive way. Mm. Uh, and I think a lot of the my age group peers are very strong cyclists. I think a lot come from a cycling background. So I uh, I need to work quite hard at my cycling to uh, to match them. Mm. Yeah. So how do you how do you go about that then? What what sessions do you give yourself? Well, I, I, I would say that uh, certainly since I turned 70 some time ago, that the training is is much less intense. Mm. Uh, I focus a lot on um, exercises. When I do exercises every morning, you know, using a, a roller, you know, foam, foam roller or a hard shell roller, I've got a gym ball for exercises, uh, these stretch bands for shoulders and, and arms, assorted rubber balls, <laughs> things. Um, so 
I would normally spend 30 to 40 minutes every morning before breakfast um, doing exercises. My, my training is much less in, intense. Uh, it's more to do with relaxation and flow. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not trying to get fitter. I'm just trying to maintain what fitness I have uh, and and the ability to be able to enjoy doing the sport. Sure. Uh, enjoy the sport and enjoy being able to do it. And uh, I think the, the actual exercises are, are a key part of that because without the actual functionality, being able to get the range of movements that your sport requires, uh, you're not going to be able to do it or enjoy doing it. Yeah. So these, these are quite important. And I, I, I do sprint triathlons. I don't do longer ones than that because five kilometres is about the furthest I'm comfortable running, particularly if it's a hard surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most triathlons are run on hard surfaces. Yeah. Um, so I, I try to, um, the, the training I do, I, I try to do plenty of it at the sort of tempo I would be wanting to do in an event. Yeah. So that I, I don't do big cycle rides, but I'll do cycle rides where I'm piddling at the sort of cadence that I want to be doing uh, during the race, which mm-hmm. may be sort of in the mid, mid-80s or so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, on, on average. And running, I do the park runs quite often. Uh, we've got an enthusiast in park run. My wife's keen in park running as well, and we most Saturdays will be involved in, in the local park run or volunteering for the park run uh, and that's very good at keeping you uh, accustomed to the sort of tempo for running 5k what it feels like running the distance and, and what tempo you should be going at and it gives you a, a sort of measurement a yardstick of, of how you're getting on yeah with, with swimming i i swim outdoors uh once a week, certainly, mm-hmm. uh, have a regular session with some others. We swim weekly uh, all year, uh, right through the winter, right as well. And and I think I think the although the, the the winter swimming is not so much a training session as uh, because you're more focused on actually managing yourself in cold water. Mm. But I think that is good. For your 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 mental strength and sense of purpose, mm. that you're going into the water, uh, you know, managing cold water for 10, 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, and coming out, a uh, very good practice for transition. If you don't hang about, coming into <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So, so, in fact, there are all sorts of benefits. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like that. I like that. Yeah. Get out, get out right quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how did you, just going back a, a little bit, how did you come across Age Group? Was there somebody at the club that um, was involved in it? Or how did you find out about Age Group? Well, I, I'd been aware of it for a while. And some others in the club did it. And yeah. I thought that's something I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. But with work commitments, there wasn't really the opportunity. Uh, the, the the timing of them didn't fit well with my work commitments. Also, I wasn't doing enough uh, relevant practice for it. But really, when yeah. I retired, I was able to spend time and effort on uh, getting myself into the right place, doing qualifying events, and and getting into it. And I've really found it very stimulating taking part in age group events. It's just a different level that takes you to places you wouldn't otherwise think of going to. You see the uh, elite people uh, and you know, close quarters and, and how they perform. And mm. I think you can learn a lot by watching people who are good at something doing the thing they're good at. And it's really, really impressive to see the actual speed and the effort that they put into their event when you actually see it in the flesh. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I totally agree. It's um, I've said this before. It's probably one of the only um, sports where you can actually partake on the same circuit course that the elite are going to be racing on as well, which is absolutely fantastic, really. And not only yeah. that, then you can take part in your race and sometimes they'll be racing directly after you or you can actually watch them before you actually race. So it depends on, depends on the event, but you always get yes. to see these guys perform. And, you know, it's it, like you said, it's just, it's such an education and yeah, just going, just going on to your next point about um, going to different places that you would never, you know, you, you would never go to, you know, that that's one of the other great things that, that it, it gives us, you know, it just like we were in Romania a few yeah. a few years back and it that would be somewhere that we would never have gone to, you know, and it's like it just yeah. takes you like you say, it just takes you to places that you would never dream of going. Yeah. And and they turn out to be fascinating places. They do. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. I mean we was we were so yeah. so um delighted with Romania. We just thought it was a fantastic country. People were so friendly. It was so cheap. Um, you know, it was it was really, really cool. Just want to go back a bit further, actually. You mentioned about your Achilles. Well, I'm suffering from an Achilles issue at the minute. <laughs> um, and you were talking about shoes. What what um, types of trainers do you wear then with that in mind, with that injury in mind? I, I, I wear uh, running shoes with... Uh... A heel to toe, um, what do you call it? Drop, right? A minimum of ten millimeters. Yeah. Uh, um, anything less than that, uh, it it's putting too much stretch onto the onto the Achilles. My mm. my Achilles, or if one of my Achilles is shorter mm. than it used to be, so yeah. there's not as much stretch in it, and it just needs to be. It needs that bit of raise. Mm. Um, and I, I use at the moment the Mizuno Wave Rider shoes. I think they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooks are also good. I've used mm. them, and they they suit me quite well. They've got the, the right level of rise and the right amount of cushion. Mm-hmm. They're not yeah. the lightest of shoes, but it's that's not the point as far as I'm concerned. They've got to be mm. comfortable and yeah. and not cause me any problems. And, yeah. yeah. I must say, I've unfortunately worked for me, so I stick with them. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, thank you for that. That's uh, food for thought for me anyway. Um, and just then now going going back, um, what was your first international that you qualified for? It was the Europeans in Copenhagen in right. 2007. Okay. That yeah. was my first one. Yeah, and how did it go? It was, it was actually it was actually a standard distance. They hadn't right, okay. brought, they hadn't brought sprint distance into the uh, ah. the championships at that point. Uh, so so it was a bit out of my comfort zone, but I wanted to do it and I, I did it and survived it. And it, it, yeah. it was great, it's wonderful. And yeah. we we finished in front of the town hall in Copenhagen, and uh, as you say, the elites. I think the elites were, were they the following day or later that afternoon, maybe the following day. But anyway, they were you you, you were running not on the identical course. Um, they, they did more laps and didn't go as far afield, but they, they were starting and finishing in the same place, swimming in the same water, and you just felt part of it. Yeah. And it was it was terrific. Yeah, yeah. And so how many have you done since? Have you have you participated well, the last in count? I've done I've done twenty eight. Twenty eight, yeah, yeah, that's incredible. incredible. Yes, that includes some aquathons and and mainly sprint distance yeah. at European and World Championships. Yeah, and where's been your so favourite place? I've been to Auckland, Edmonton, Chicago. Uh, I don't know if there's a favourite. Um, but they, they've all been they've all been fantastic for different reasons. Mm. Um, Beijing, I went to very early on, and uh, we were 
it was in 2011, and we were using the facilities and the course that they'd had for the Beijing Olympics in right. 2008. Uh, so that was that was really quite thrilling, mm -hmm. being on the same course as they'd had the Olympic triathlon. Another right. place I've been to quite a lot is the, the UAE. I've taken part in the Abu Dhabi triathlon every year from 2011 to 2019. And was right. back again earlier this year as well. Yeah, and uh, taking part in events there is a, is a completely different experience. Not just climate, which is, of course, is a, a major factor, but just the the logistics, the surroundings, the way they do things. Mm. Uh, they they have some quite. Uh, Amazing, they've passed the parties beforehand and or breakfasts. They usually start early in the morning and after you finish, you have breakfast, but everything's done outside. Um, big tables, linen tablecloths, right. chefs cooking to your specifications. I mean, it's just wow. a different, different, different world, but uh, amazing experience. Yeah. yeah, and you go out there every year, do you? Well, I, I have been going out several times a year, but but my daughter has just returned to the UK now. So, oh. I, <laughs> so there after, goes there goes your excuse then for uh, for going after, over after about twelve years uh, in 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 that part of the world. So I think that's probably come to an end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to find somewhere else for your um, winter yeah. training then. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's um, certainly in, in the winter time, you know, between November and March, it's um, yeah. very, very nice indeed. But by March, it's getting hot, very hot. Yeah. And did you used to go out for the winter? Oh, no. I would just go out for 10 days yeah. at a time, a week, or 10 yeah. days. Uh, usually in the autumn. Oh, my wife and I, we went out and yeah. uh, maybe again in February, March to coincide with the main Abu Dhabi triathlon. Yeah. And... Um, you know, my wife helped as a you know a volunteer at the uh, at the event sometimes, and certainly the, the first few who took part in when it was all new to them, uh, yeah, the registration you know wasn't in a field; it was <laughs> it was in a five star hotel, <laughs> and the and and the volunteers were fed with uh, you know. Cakes and coffee from tea trolleys by waiters in white gloves. <laughs> it was just a completely different setup altogether. Yeah, as you would expect over there. Actually, I would have if expected. I would have expected nothing less. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. That's it was, really, really it was good, good fun. Really, really good fun. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, sometimes I'd go and train with the local club. There's some yeah. session, they had sessions to swim in the sea, and uh, it, was, it was good. And, and this house sport enables you to integrate with local people wherever you go. Yeah, you go it's... to the local sports club and you can join in. The same happens with visitors that come here, of course, and it's uh. It's a great way of, of meeting people and getting getting into a new place. Yeah, it's definitely a leveler, isn't it? Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean that's yeah. a fantastic, a fantastic story. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about your book now. Um, that you kindly sent, as I said, and I've read it and it, I really got a lot from it. And um, how did it come about? Well, it, I found, I've, I'd always sort of hankered after writing something, but I didn't know what I could write about. Um, and then the obvious thing seemed to be to write about the thing I was interested in, uh, which was triathlon. But, um, and I spoke to one or two people, um, and what came through to me was that there were quite a lot of things written for people who are doing sport and or about uh, people doing sport in their 50s. Uh, and also, in some extent, in the 60s, in magazine articles and so on. But I hadn't really noticed anything about people doing sport in the 70s, how mm. you should train or, or what it was like. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that if I do the book, the thing to do is to write about my experience really as taking part in my 70s, because that's the, that's the bit that is... It's different 
um, from what's out there. And it, it all started to coincide with lockdown and mm. the opportunity was there to get on with it and just do it. Yeah. And uh, so I just spent time writing down my thoughts and it was, I, I had a, a lot of anecdotes and, and you've come across various anecdotes in the book, but it was how to make something interesting, how to actually bring all these these disparate uh, bits of information together in some kind of coherent form. Mm -hmm. And that was where I really reached a bit of an impasse. But I'd, I'd written quite a lot and I needed something to pull it all together. I, I did get a light bulb moment that helped to resolve that and really made it into a mixture of the sequence of a triathlon event, talking mm -hmm. a bit about the components a triathlon event, um, but not not the same event, just components from different events, but in, in a sense, so that the, the book had, had several threads. It had the thread of progression through events, it had the thread of progression through a season, and it had um, progression in uh, developing skills and learning as we were going along. And uh, I, I think it I think it has worked quite well that, that way and, uh, and and in fact it, it had a rather abrupt ending point because it, it, the ending point was when we, everything stopped in the spring of 2020. Triathlon came to a stop, sport came to a stop, everything did and we were left wondering what was going to happen next uh, when we came out the other side. So I'm glad that I've come out the other side and <laughs> doing triathlon again. So I wondered, you know, will I still be interested or will I still be able to do triathlons after all this and we get started again? And yeah. that was uh, gratified that, that, in fact, I was able to get going again and take over from where I left off. Yeah. So maybe yeah. there'll be a sequel sometime. We don't, we don't know. In a few years' time, you're going to have to do part two or... You know, post COVID, it could be or something. You know, just to yes, say yes. how it's gone but, since, but the, the, since then. What I wanted uh, to talk about was the enjoyment that you get from doing sport as an older athlete, um, the satisfaction that that you get from doing it, from doing your best. Um, you, you are slowing down; <clears throat> that, that's inevitable. And I, I wasn't aware of the research that there had been on ageing and, and sporting performance uh, until after I'd written it, uh, near the end of writing the book, and I started looking at some of the research. And you know, age-related performance does decline gradually. Mm -hmm. uh, and generally speaking, at the age of 60, <clears throat> the, the pace of, of decline increases. And then at the age of 70, it becomes an exponential decrease. And I wasn't aware of that, but uh, I was always trying to slow down the rate of decline by trying to improve some aspects of what I was doing. My swimming actually improved during the 60s. It's better technique. Um, mm. I swim my best probably about the age of 68. Um, and... You know, in improving your, your transitions. You can always uh, take another half minute off your transitions by working on things. And you can't easily take half a minute off your running time or your swimming time. So the places where you can gain <clears throat> and just be more consistent, you know, not uh, making the same mistakes, not always uh, uh, struggling to take off a wetsuit, finding the way of consistently getting the wetsuit off <clears throat> without getting caught in it being bunched up over your ankles and feet and not being able to get out of it. Yeah. So the various things that over the years I, I've found have worked and uh, and it's really the, the response to this mental strength training we just spoke about earlier that you're always thinking of you know, what has gone well what hasn't gone quite as well and what would you do differently another time and 
writing things down, not just going by uh, thoughts and memories. Mm. It's actually writing things down that's fresh in your mind and then it's clear because thoughts and memories become unclear after a while or play tricks with you. And, yeah. and I, I was trained in developing a discipline to, you know, after each race, you know, that same day, write down the three things that went well. Not more yeah, than three, just to... three things that went well. And yeah. then also write down not more than two things that could have been better. And what you would do differently next time. Always have more positive things than negative things, even if you've had a bad race. <laughs> positive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was um, one of the things that was one of the things I loved in the book. Um, you know, you no matter what happens, you and I guess this is down to your mental strength coaching, is that it's always a positive. Um, you know. It, yeah. it always come over as a positive experience. You're always trying yeah. to take positives out of whatever experience that you'd you'd took by doing exactly what you've just said That's by good. looking at it, analyzing yes. it, and yeah, yes. looking at the things that didn't go right, but actually looking at what you did go right and how you can improve on on the yeah. things that didn't go right. Yeah, yeah, that did stand out in the book. And making sure that you actually the things that go well that you actually lock them in. So that they're going to go well again next time. And don't let them don't let them slip. Yeah. Um, but it's actually having a positive approach to everything, and always have a plan for your race, mm. even if it's a low key race or a race that you're just doing for fun. Have a plan because it's much more satisfying having switched on fun than switched off fun, as it were. Um, if you don't have a plan, you can just be sloppy. With, with what you do and that's uh, and you don't enjoy that uh, yeah. so even if you're wanting to have a relaxed race a fun race actually have a plan of how you're going to do it and you get much more out of it that way yeah. but, but I'm talking about the positives I mean what, one of the things that I've always been thinking about is the the bike run combination um, how hard should you cycle on on the on the bike course without compromising your run performance mm. and sometimes you feel that you maybe need to hold yourself back a bit on the bike in order to have a, a good run mm -hmm. but that that approach as as my coach kim had uh, pointed out to me is you holding yourself back is negative uh, you've got to have something positive and she talked me around into saying I need to have the ride the best bike ride to give me the best run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. Thinking of that way, it's positive. Mm. And um, as a coach, uh, she doesn't tell me we we just we discuss something. She poses questions that I should ask myself: you know, What should I do differently? What What would make a difference? Mm. What am I going to do between now and then? It will you know, make you better prepared for that event. Mm. And she discusses it in a way that makes me come up with the answers. Uh, not giving me the answers, but I eventually come out with the answers. And mm. you then feel that you have taken ownership of the answer because you came out of it. Mm. And um, you, 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 and you're accountable for it. It's not that you're doing something that someone told you. You're doing something that you actually worked out for yourself. But it's this way of being able to ask the the, the the probing question that brings out the answer that's right for you. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I think we all could deal with that, to be honest. Most of the time. Um, mm. looking, at, looking at things that way and um, yeah I think uh, your mental coach has, has certainly done the job on on you and uh, yeah it's paying dividends yes yes absolutely I, I mean obviously there has to be a kind of synergy or chemistry between the individuals for it to be successful but um, I, I'm lucky in, the, in that um, you know, that that has that has that has developed well in that, in that direction but my final question was um how did you get Ali Brownlee to write you forward? Well, 
Uh, so you know, you know who I am. And uh, you know, when it was put to him, he was very helpful indeed and very generous with his time, very supportive. And uh, you know, really, he is a superb ambassador for our sport. Mm. The way he encouraged encourages people, has time for juniors and older athletes as well. So uh, yes, it was, it was excellent that he uh, he was happy to do that and uh, very supportive. How did it come about? How did you get him to do it? Um, well, I approached him. Yes, I I, I I was able to get in touch with him, right. and uh, he he responded and said yes, he'd be delighted. Well, well, he he, he asked me first of all to send him the manuscript. So. Yeah. Uh, he, he had a read, he had a read through it and, and, and said he'd be delighted. Well, I, I imagine the lockdown situation helped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, true. Yeah, quite. Because he wasn't he wasn't touring the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, excellent. Well, that's a fantastic story. Like I said, it's a great read, um, and I think that's a great place to finish. That I've just got the final quick fire questions to ask you as I ask all the guests that come on the podcast. And the first one is what's your favorite bit of kit? Well, that, that has to be my shades. I've got a super pair of Oakley shades I've had for about 10 years now, hmm. really dark lenses. And I always yeah. wear them for my races. Even if it's raining and dark, I'll have them on. I don't wear them at other times, just wear them for my races. It's part of my uniform. Yeah, nice, nice. I don't think we've had that answer before. Most people say the bikes, so I like that. And I like a pair of Oakleys. Yes. Uh, oh, I do like my bike. I've got uh, a really super road bike and a great time trial bike. But, mm. um, yes, my very attached to my, my, my shades. Cool. Great answer. Great answer. And um, what resources do you use, Douglas, um, to help you with your your triathlons? And it could be books. What, what it could be. What, what, what do you mean by that? Resources. It could be books. It could be podcasts. It could be um, websites. Whatever people. You know what? I don't. What do I don't you... use any. I don't use any of these things, but. I do use um, models of excellence. Right. This is a scene put to me by Kim, the mental, my mental strength coach. Uh, you know, identifying people who have qualities that you would like to have more of in a particular situation. So, um, uh, and you, you look at what they do. Uh, this person you know, ask them about it. Uh, you know, it, it could be someone who's famous or just could be someone in the club that you know and is good at the particular thing they're really, really smart at transitions you'll watch what they do ask them about it and uh, really you learn from these things and then use these models of excellence when you're, when you're competing imagine you're that person doing this particular thing mm. and it could be to do with how they prepare for a race they're, they're um, that they, they are particularly calm or they deal with pressure well or it could be that they're really smooth runners or good swimmers um, and you know I keep refreshing them it's not always the same people the same individuals it could be a model of excellence for the whole event or a model of excellence for a particular aspect of the thing uh, so I think it's observing other people and yeah. watching what they do watching the people who are good at something and seeing what you can learn. Mm. Uh, and, and I think if you volunteer at an event, uh, you know, I, I, one time I was uh, on, the, on the transition, at the exit to transition, and the things you saw there, how people got on their bikes and how they got off their bikes, and it was just a, a day of doing that. You were, you were absolutely convinced of was the best way to do it. I've <laughs> seen people all the different ways to go and open and off their bikes and the time they took. Yeah, it's a great answer. Again, a unique answer. Nobody's ever ever said that before. Um, and I think we can all learn from watching and asking questions of people like you've just said who are really, really good at something. So yeah, thank you for that. That's a great answer. 
Um, what advice would you give for anybody wanting to get into triathlon? I, I would say join a club and enter an event, a, you know, a low-key event, a local event of, of some kind. So that gives you a target. Um, and, and then you try it out. Don't choose an Ironman. Uh, you know, start off with something that, that is achievable uh, and that um, there's, there's no pressure involved in doing it and then take it from there and you can yeah. work up to bigger things. And what advice would you give to somebody who's doing triathlons who would like to get into age group? I think it's a great thing to experience going to one of the international age group events. Uh, it's not it's not for everyone. I know people who have taken part of them and, and, and not enjoyed the experience. I, I, I found it really stimulating and uh, uh, a great a great thing to do. But I think if you if you're going to your first one, you need to remember that there are a lot of people there for whom it's their first one. So don't let yourself be overawed. Don't don't be overawed by pointy helmets and fancy kit. Uh, a lot of people there are doing the first one as you are. You'd have qualified to be there, so you're there, and you deserve to be there. You're worthy of being there, and just um, be confident and do your own thing, and you can surprise yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Love that answer. Fantastic. And then finally, uh, Douglas, what are your short and your long-term goals? Well, in the short term, I've got the World Age Group Championships in Hamburg in well, two and a half weeks' time. So I want to give a good account of myself there, do the best I can. Uh, it, it's all about having a performance that you feel you've done your best, um, the best possible not necessarily podiums and that sort of thing, but if you feel that you've had a good result, uh, done, done your best possible, that's means to satisfying. So that's the short-term one. In the long term, uh, I'd like to keep uh, taking part in triathlons if I'm able to. Um, as long as I enjoy it, I want to be able to keep doing it and uh, hope that I can continue doing that for a while yet. Cool. Great. Yeah. Well, good luck with it all. Good luck with Hamburg. I think, like I said, it's inspiring for me and it'll be inspiring for a lot of people. And I'm sure all your club members are, are inspired by what you do and what you get up to. I think as we get older, you know, keeping, keeping, <laughs> keeping strong, eating right and surrounding yourself by like-minded people is so important and getting that support network, which you obviously have, in in buckets is you know it just helps us have a a long life but also a meaningful life and a quality of life as well and i think you know looking at yeah. you as an inspiration that's that's where i want to go and that's what i want to continue doing as well so thank you ever so much for being the inspiration that you are and uh thank you once again for, thank you once again for your book and um yeah it's been a pleasure um to to chat Thank you ever so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure, Rich. Yes, yeah. thank you. Wow, so much to unpack there. Um, really enjoyed that. And as usual, I've learned quite a lot. Fascinating answers to the quickfire questions towards the end there. And tickled me that um, his favourite bit of kit was his Oakleys. I've got a passion for Oakleys. I've always worn them. Uh, and I love Oakleys as well. Uh, so that was nice. <laughs> and I loved his answer to the uh, resources uh, quickfire question and that he didn't have any other than that he used models of excellence. And that's, uh, he said, came from his mental strength coach who's uh, obviously equipped him with, with that to look at and um, where he identifies people of qualities that he would like and uh, he can use um, to get better. I think it's just a really, really, I never thought of it, never never even entered my head, um, but I guess that's what a mental coach will bring you, um, these different ideas of how to go about gaining knowledge, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that answer. 
and um, you've got to look into that I think because uh, I think that's something that we all could use so I hope you enjoyed this I really enjoyed uh, like I've said speaking to Douglas um, really nice man and good luck to him in all his uh, endeavours um, coming up and do look out his book you can find it on his um, website is the renaissance triathlete.com you can buy it at Amazon um, Barnes and Noble foils and waterstones so yeah give it a give it a look out and um, give it a read it's uh, like I say can't recommend it enough so fantastic well that's it for another episode thank you once again for taking the time out like I said at the beginning of the program really do appreciate your listens your downloads makes it all worthwhile uh, it's great to be able to bring these stories of these wonderful athletes um, yeah and, and keep us entertained and learn actually yeah never stop learning as Douglas has uh, showed us in this episode so if you want to get in touch you can email us at agegroupmultisportpodcast at gmail.com we are on Instagram at amp underscore 1967. You can DM us. Uh, and if you're an age grouper or you know any age groupers um, that would like to come on the, the podcast and do exactly what Douglas has done, just drop us a DM uh, or email us and we'll sort something out. We're on Facebook at AmpGB and you can find all our podcasts on our own website, which is agegroupmultisportpodcast.buzzsprout.com uh, we're also on twitter at agegroupmultisportpodcast um, and that's about it for now so stay safe keep training and love the process mm-hmm.